Bri, you haven't asked me in a while how my fantasy team's doing. Hey, Ross, how's your fantasy team doing? 3-0, and undefeated, and I'm in the Fantasy Feast season-long league with you guys, the listeners, Domination Nation, because unlike Evan, I hope Evan, I gotta ask Evan, I hope Evan is not undefeated because I like wrecking shop. And I like Squad QL. The app connects directly with your Yahoo, my Yahoo, and your ESPN CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. Squad QL provides waiver and trade recommendations. Plus, the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. Squad QL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to squadql.com. That's where you download Squad QL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. Squad QL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by a hundred thousand DFS players. You can also, by the way, download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. Squad QL, RotoQL, awesome. It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, the show that's so nice. We do it twice. And Evan, for the first time this year, we actually have a couple teams on buys. Carolina and Washington, they're both on buy. We are presented. We never go by. We're always here because we're presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you like fantasy football, you like putting a little something, something, a little extra interest in the games, same thing with betonline.ag, using the promo code podcast one to get a 50% sign-up bonus today, which is awesome. Speaking of awesome, Evan, I'm not even messing around today. I, I love your breakdowns. It's part of the reason, part of the reason why I'm 3-0, and undefeated, and I'll tell you about it every week as long as I'm undefeated. Here's what we do for those of you that are new. He is Evan Silva from Rotoworld at Evan Silva. If you look at pretty much any of the independent websites out there, he is the best. He is the best fantasy analyst on the planet. And if you if this is your first time listening, you are going to be blown away by his brain and all of the nuggets, notes, information he's about to drop on you like a rock star. I'm a former NFL offensive lineman, journeyman, five teams, seven years. At Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram. My Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And by the way, I mentioned it more on the Ross Tucker football podcast, but I should bring it up here too. I'm giving out free Maddens every week for the next 11 weeks. I got free Maddens. This week, all you have to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors that we have and rate and review any of our shows, and you're automatically entered. So whether it's just... Downloading the Squad QL app and taking a screenshot of that, rating and reviewing this show, screenshot of that, forward it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. Boom, you're automatically entered to win the Madden this week. Speaking of boom, here's what we do. 
We do the Thursday night game and the Sunday 1 o'clock games in episode 1, which is usually a beastly hour plus. Then, after midnight, we post the 4 p.m. games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, which is not typically as beastly, depending on how the NFL decides to split it up. So, without further ado, let's get into it, Evan. Next meal. All right, Evan, I've seen you post some of your thoughts on Twitter already, but it's a pretty eventful and exciting Thursday night matchup tomorrow night. The Rams, without their corners, hosting the Vikings without Everson Griffin. Yeah, absolutely. And because both of these teams entered the game with significant injury and or off-field concerns uh, on defense, the total in this game opened at 47. It's been bet up to 49, even 50 in some spots. That's a fairly significant move, moving through the 48 uh, and even up to the 50. Uh, so there, this game definitely has some shootout potential. The obvious concern on the Vikings side is, are they going to be able to protect Kirk Cousins? Because they did not last week. It was almost like you know there, there were a bunch of things that went wrong for them last week. It was almost like they were sleepwalking through the game. Uh, they kind of took it for granted. Uh, they might have you know had their eyes on this critical Thursday night game uh, in a battle of you know potential NFC contenders. But either way, they could not protect Kirk Cousins, and the culprit was not the interior offensive line. Uh, it was primarily Riley Reef at left tackle, just got his butt beat by Jerry Hughes, and Riley Reef may not even be available for this Thursday night game due to a foot injury that kept him out of practice on uh, Monday and Tuesday. If he doesn't play, uh, they're expected to turn to Rashad Hill, who he himself has been dealing with a foot injury, uh, has, been, seems has been banged up since the preseason, he would move to left tackle, and they'd start the rookie at a pit, Brian O'Neill, at right tackle. So, you know, and the Rams have not really generated a ton of pressure so far. They're bottom five in both sacks and quarterback hits. But this is what you're dealing with, um, you know, on the Vikings side. Like, there, there definitely is some risk here for Kirk Cousins, and we saw it uh, take effect last week after he started off the season pretty hot. He, he should have openings to uh, Stefan Diggs in particular, who uh, uh, plays 80% of his snaps on the outside. The Rams are going to be without both of their starting outside cornerbacks. I know they said that Marcus Peters is questionable. I would be shocked if, if he plays. I think they're going to be, they're definitely going to be without Aqib Tlaib. Stefan Diggs really has the best matchup here in the Vikings pass catcher core. But Adam Thielen has been the volume monster. Leads the NFL in targets, top five uh, in air yards, um, top five in catches. Uh, the, if, if you look at the uh, the slot receivers, though, that have faced the Rams so far, they haven't been very productive. Keenan Allen and Larry Fitzgerald um, both struggle to produce. And Adam Thielen is primarily a slot receiver this year. Something to keep in mind, I think that the best matchup is Diggs. You're never going to sit Adam Thielen because he gets the ball so much and he's really friggin' good. Um, but just, just a couple of things to note uh, as we break down the games. Kyle Rudolph has uh, been uh, a lot more involved in the last two games after only seeing what, one target 
in the opener. So that's promising. Uh, the the uh, running back situation is kind of still up in the air. Dalvin Cook was able to practice on a limited basis on Tuesday. We are recording this on Wednesday morning. Um, Zimmer said that there's a possibility that he will play. He he would be a scary guy to, for, for me to invest in. Um, like on this short week, coming off the hamstring injury after he tore his ACL, you know, I don't, are they going to go right back to him with a bunch of touches? You know, I think they need to start thinking about playing a little bit more cautiously with Dalvin Cook. He had a bunch of injuries in college as well. That was one of the reasons that he slipped in the draft. Um, so I, he would be a risky flex option if he's out. Latavius Murray, I think, he, he, despite what happened last week, he was a total disaster. And, you know, I, I played him in every DFS lineup that I had. Um, still did all right because everybody did too. I mean, he was 80% owned or something crazy. Um, but you go right back to him. Rams have not been great in run defense. They've also given up the, uh, the, the fourth most receptions to opposing running backs. On the other side, you know, this, this Rams offense, man, this is a juggernaut. Uh, I think that we need to start thinking about Jared Goff as potentially a matchup-proof every-week starter. The Vikings are not going to have Everson Griffin. Trey Waynes, their starting left cornerback, um, looks like he's going to play, but he couldn't finish the last game with an ankle injury, was previously dealing with a knee injury. He's someone that you can attack. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be able to stick Xavier Rhodes on an individual receiver. I mean, Rams have three really good receivers. It's kind of like a pick-your-poison scenario. Um, I think that in all likelihood we'll just see Trey Waynes at left cornerback, Xavier Rhodes at right cornerback, the Rams receivers move all around. The best one-for-one matchup, probably Cooper Cup in the slot against Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander has been thrown out six times this year, uh, gave up receptions on all six of them. Um, you know, and then Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks to me are, are every week fantasy starters. Uh, and you know the deal with Todd Gurley. Look, the Vikings have a really good run defense. Uh, we, we know that. They haven't been great, uh, or they have been really stingy in terms of receptions allowed to running backs. But we're, not, we're definitely not overthinking it. Todd Gurley getting 22 to 28 touches every week, uh, now favored at home. He's a top three running back play on the week, and we can move on to the next one. Wow. That was big time there. All right, how about the Patriots 1-2 and two hosting the 3-0 and oh Miami Dolphins who have – they got some real speed, dude. I mean, not only Kenny Stills, but Albert Wilson and Grant can both fly too. Absolutely, absolutely. They they have a, a very. We we should keep everything in, in in you know in perspective. Of course, they have played like the easiest schedule in the NFL, um, but they have been really really impressive. They also have a shutdown corner in Xavier Howard, who, I mean, he just put Amari Cooper in the vice grip last week and he he wasn't going to be be doing anything they play without Rashad Jones too he should be back this week he's their their stud safety but I mean also not trying to take any credit away from him and they they've gotten the job done now they go to New England and you know this is a Patriots team that just looked they looked awful on Sunday night there there it seems like every year there's one game where the Patriots 
just lay a total friggin' egg. Um, and that is what we saw on Sunday night against Detroit. Um, um, in fairness to the Lions, I mean, the Lions got a ton of pressure on Jimmy G in week two. Um, and But the Patriots trying to force the ball to Sony Michelle has been um, very, very unproductive approach to playing offense. Even in the fourth quarter, you know, down by multiple scores against Detroit, they're trying to give handoffs to Sony Michelle. That was strange. And after the game, Tom Brady was asked about James White. And uh, he replied, you know, the, the guys who were making plays, that's who we should be giving the ball to. And that kind of seemed like a reference to Sony Michelle. You watch the games, just look at the box score. You know that Sony Michelle is not making plays. And, you know, they are, they're, they're like wasted plays. And I, I really think that that played a big role in, in costing the Patriots the game on Sunday night. You would think that they'll fix it. Rex Burkhead is out with a neck injury. I don't know if he's going to play. It doesn't seem very promising. They brought up Kenyon Barner again. Uh, so I think it's going to be the James White slash Sony Michelle show against Miami. My, Miami has been really good in run defense. Now, they did lose uh, William Hayes to a torn ACL and Andre Branch, rotational uh, defender. William Hayes is, is really good, though. Uh, but, the, you know, those are two key guys on their defensive line. So they, they might not be as good in run defense going forward. Um, Sony Michelle is like a low floor flex play. Uh, James White is, at this point, an every-week PPR RB2 slash flex, especially if Rex Burkhead does not play, and I don't think that he will. Um, you know, you, you hope that, that t- look, the, the Patriots, every year, you know, they go, it, it seems like they go through a little phase where everything just isn't right. And Tom Brady has not played well so far. I think that just having Josh Gordon out there, this week, uh, and I do expect him to play, uh, can you know release some of the stress from the rest of their offense because Rob Gronkowski has not been getting open, uh, nor has Chris Hogan been getting open. Um, you know, at very least, to, to pull Xavier Howard away from Chris Hogan, uh, Josh Gordon's just mere presence out there, I think, can be helpful. Dolphins have not rushed the passer particularly well. They're 26 in sacks. Second to last in the NFL in uh, quarterback hits. Um, I think that, you know, as someone who does have a lot of Tom Brady, um, I I own him in Dynasty. I own him uh, in in several redraft leagues. I mean, I'm definitely not giving up on him. Going back to Foxborough, I think that this is is a get-right game for the Patriots. They need it badly. Um, They usually get things figured out. On the Dolphins side, you know, it, it was last week, Kenyon Drake was a total dud after a pretty solid start to the season. Uh, this week, he's going to face off with a Patriots defense that has gotten smashed by the run. 4.8 yards per carry so far. We saw on Johnson snap like a, a half-decade streak of no uh, 100-yard rushers for the Lions that had stretched back to 2013. The Patriots are dead last in yards after contact allowed per touch. Uh, so they are not finishing tackles. 
uh, Kenyon Drake lit them up for 193 yards from scrimmage in week 14 last year. I don't know, you know, he's not going to get that workload that he was getting at that time, uh, but I do think that he can bounce back. And, you know, if the Patriots jump out to a lead, that benefits Kenyon Drake. Uh, Frank Gore is not running pass routes, uh, only 9, 10, and 6 touches through three games. I think that Kenyon Drake, we can go right back to him uh, as an RB2 at New England. Ryan Tannehill has been just wildly efficient, leads the NFL in touchdown rate. I'm sorry, Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in touchdown rate. But Ryan Tannehill is second. Uh, He has thrown a touchdown pass on 9.5% of his pass attempts. That is usually a statistic that regresses uh, as the uh, as seasons progress and certainly year over year. Um, but, and he's been held b- below 30 pass attempts in three straight games. I do think that he is in the, the quarterback one slash two uh, fringe area. I mean, and he can also run it. Um, he had eight carries for 44 yards the other week. You know, he's, he's a good athlete, he played wide receiver at Texas A&M. But that's not really the way that they want to play. They do not want to be an aired-out offense. You mentioned earlier about their speed. Kenyon Drake checks that box. Ryan Tannehill, even to some extent, checks that box. But Jakeem Grant also checks that box. Uh, There is not a a single Dolphins receiver right now in this low-volume passing offense that has averaged so much as five targets per game. So... You know, this is not really like a bankable fantasy situation. Um, Devontae Parker came back last week, played 75% of the Dolphins' offensive snaps. Uh, Jakeem Grant had two catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns against the Raiders, only had three targets, and he ran eight pass routes the entire game. So, it's it, that you know, that's really tough to rely on they they're just using so many receivers jakeem grant kenny stills danny amandola uh albert wilson uh mike jasicki's going to be more involved uh Devontae parker came back last week Kenyon drake can catch passes um even for as well as this team has produced you know sporadically i'm not trying to use jakeem grant or albert wilson in a fantasy league kenny stills would be the one guy that i would look at uh 93% of the snaps so far He's run 31 routes per game. He's the clear number one. He's got three touchdowns on the season. Ryan Tannehill, in his touchdown last week, Ryan Tannehill put it in a, a, a closing door window uh, last week for, for uh, Stills' score. He's been balling. He's going to be up and down, uh, but this is the, the right matchup to use him. You look at the wide receivers that have faced the Patriots so far. Keelan Cole lit him up. Dede Westbrook had a big game against him. DeAndre Hopkins had eight catches. Marvin Jones had a strong game, Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay. All those guys produced, even Bruce Ellington and Dante Moncrief had their season best games against New England. I think that Kenny Stills is the guy that uh, that, that we can start. A.J. Derby suffered a foot injury. A.J. Derby has been out-snapping Jasicki. Uh, Jasicki is going to play more. I don't think that we can um, you know, use him in fantasy, but that's something to, to kind of file away in an offense that is playing at a pretty – pretty good level. They, they've been protecting their quarterback, uh, and they've been very, very efficient. Uh, Mike Jasicki so far, though, 42 scoreless yards on five targets. Um, 
but he, he's going to have to play more because A.J. Derby is out. We can move on to the next one. Next one, it's the Eagles at the Titans. Wentz is back. They're really hurting at receiver. They had an unbelievable amount of two and three tight end sets last week yeah. against the Indianapolis Colts. It was really – I can't remember seeing anything like that in a long, long time. And Alshon Jeffrey, still as of today, is not back here Wednesday, 9.38 a.m. Eastern Time. Meanwhile, they're playing against a Titans team that Dr. David Chow said on the Medical Minute this week on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast that Mariota still can't throw a ball correctly. They are the run-heaviest team in the NFL, yet they're not very productive running the ball, yet somehow they're 2-1 and one because football. Yeah, um, they have squeaked out back-to-back wins uh, as you know significant underdogs in both games um, because football, as, as you mentioned, they've been able to keep these games close. You know, they uh, against Houston they scored a fake punt touchdown last week. Blake Bortles was just went back to being you know Blake Bortles, um, and Marcus Mariota he is a tough dude. You know, I know he gets hurt a lot. But do not question this dude's toughness. Uh, he, he, he really was like a runner last week. Um, he had 18 attempts for 100 yards, um, but he had a bunch of really critical runs for the Titans. Um, they're, they're squeaking out these wins. You, you can't really use any of their guys in fantasy. I mean, even Corey, you know, and, and Dr. David Chow is spot on. I mean, the, the ball coming out of Marcus Mariota's hands last week was it was an ugly duckling. I mean, he's he's out here throwing egg beaters, and the the receivers can barely even catch them. They're they're not even catchable balls, even though they're like on target. They're like bouncing bouncing out of guys' hands. I mean, he is really really ugly. He's dealing with this nerve injury in his throwing elbow. Um, Corey Davis would be really the only guy that you can really look at. Um, but even he, he only had four targets last week after seeing big volume uh, in the first couple of games. The, the matchup, wide receivers can get production for sure against Philly's cornerbacks, but he's like a really low-end wide receiver three risky. Uh, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry split backfield facing, you know, maybe the best run defense in football. Um, I'm not trying to attack that. On the other side, you mentioned about how much 12 personnel they use. That was something we kind of expected them to open the season with. They didn't do it in the first couple of games, uh, but they did last week. Uh, and Josh Park- Perkins, their third tight end, was also uh, still involved. Uh, but last week, Dallas Goddard played the most snaps that he has all season. I expect that to continue against Tennessee. Uh, I think that Dallas Goddard is... You know, I don't think he's necessarily super reliable because his playing time has been up and down, and still just kind of a guess that they're going to continue to do that. I mean, hey, there's a chance that maybe they maybe they won't. I don't know. They see something in the Titans' defense, and hey, you know, we we want to spread them out with you know Kamar Aiken. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us, but you know, teams do do that things like that sometimes. But um, I think that if you are struggling at tight end, and a lot of a lot of teams are, people lost Greg Olson, Delaney Walker early on Dallas Goddard is someone that you can consider in a pretty good matchup. Uh, I thought that Carson Wentz looked uh, more mobile uh, than I expected in 
uh, his first game back against the Colts. The Colts defense, though, remains underrated. The way that he attacked uh, that that defense at the zone, uh, the the Colts zone, of course, was with the tight ends. Um, <clears throat> you know, did not get a whole lot going outside the numbers. I mean, Nelson Aguilar kind of kind of faded away, um, and you know, I think that the the game plan will probably be similar uh, against the Titans. Carson Wentz um, only finished as like the quarterback twenty three in his first game back. So I, I, I still, you know, and I was cautious entering that game about him. I'm going to remain cautious for the time being. They're just missing so many weapons. I mean, no Alshon, no Matt Collins, no Mike Wallace. Um, playing this this defense that, this Titans defense that really has gotten better each week so far under Mike Vrabel. Um, in the running back situation, Jay Ajayi, is tentatively expected back from his back injury. And then Darren Sproles is tentatively expected back from his hamstring injury. Going to go back to being a three-way backfield. Titans have played pretty good uh, run defense. Uh, Last week, I mean, Corey Grant and TJ Yeldon were complete non-factors on the ground. Week before that, Lamar Miller didn't hurt him too bad. Uh, So, not a great matchup for these guys, but uh, Jay Ajayi, assuming that, he, that he's all systems go, and we'll find that out later in the week, uh, low-end RB2 this week until he shows us uh, that he's back pumping it at, at, uh, at, at full bore. Um, we can move on to the next one. Next one, it's the Bengals, who got a big day out of my guy, Tyler Boyd. I did his state championship game three years in a row. He was tremendous against the Atlanta Falcons, and holy cow. First of all, it's crazy they lost a game with Matt Ryan's numbers, but they have found something here, Evan, in Calvin Ridley. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that Calvin Ridley, well, first of all, let's just think about the game. The game's going to be played at, uh, in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium Dome, so we get this game going inside the Dome. It has obvious shootout potential. Bengals, of course, still missing. Vontez Perfect um, lost Ryan Glasgow, uh, who was a stud interior run defender, not a starter, but um, a guy that was really good against the run, uh, towards ACL last week. That's a pretty significant loss. Uh, and then Atlanta, I mean, they're missing so many guys. It's not just Keanu Neal and Deion Jones. You know, it's Tack McKinley couldn't play last week. Derek Shelby couldn't play last week. They lost Ricardo Allen. Their free safety. I mean, they have lost both of their starting safeties since the beginning of the season. This game sets up, you know, we, we have the number six team in scoring in Cincinnati, and we have the number nine team in scoring in Atlanta. The Falcons really have fixed their red zone issues over the last two games. They really struggled so badly in the red zone all last year. That NFL opener on the Thursday night, week one, same deal. And it was like, oh, here we go again. Well, they haven't been, you know, on, on national TV, I guess, or primetime TV uh, for the last couple of weeks. But they have gone eight for eight uh, in touchdowns, uh, eight touchdowns in the last eight red zone trips. Uh, that is super, super efficient. You know, that's as, as efficient as it gets. Matt Ryan uh, should, should light up this Cincinnati defense uh, with the way that he has been playing. They've really been protecting him well, uh, in particular, uh, since giving up four sacks and 14 hits to the Eagles in week one. 
Uh, the, the Falcons have, have only given up um, three sacks and eight hits over the last two weeks. Uh, so I'd like to see that offensive line playing well. Uh, Tevin Coleman really took over as the feature back last week against the Saints uh, after kind of uh, you know losing 10 touches and um, 30% of the or 35% of the snaps in week two to Edo Smith. Uh, Tevin Coleman was up to 80%, 17 touches, only four touches uh, or five touches for Edo Smith last week. Again, facing this Bengals defense without Vontez Burfecht, lost Ryan Glasgow. You, know, you watch that uh, Panthers game against the Bengals last week. Christian McCaffrey on inside runs, where he has been, you know, most often criticized for not being a great inside runner. Christian McCaffrey tore them up, uh, tore up the uh, the Bengals on interior runs for the entire game. Uh, had like 194 uh, rushing yards, uh, or, or over 180, uh, and so many of them came right up the middle. Uh, the Bengals have given up over four and a half yards per carry to opposing running backs, and also the ninth most receiving yards to opposing running backs, going right back to Tevin Coleman as an RB1 uh, against Cincinnati. The whole DFS world was on Julio Jones last week, and he let him down. Calvin Ridley, of course, was the guy that went off. I think it's a great week to pivot back to Julio Jones in daily fantasy. His, his fantasy ownership is going to be way, way down. Um and he still has, you know, that that monster upside. And getting all these guys involved, and I know it didn't pay off last week because they did it the week before, but getting all the other guys involved, and Mohamed Sanu scored a touchdown last week as well. Austin Hooper has been more involved. Um, that is going to, to help Julio Jones. Uh, but you're right, Calvin Ridley, uh, he really has the best one-for-one matchup in the Falcons' pass catcher core this week. Because Dre Kirkpatrick, uh, the Bengals' left cornerback, and the Bengals never move their cornerbacks. They always leave them on the left and right sides. Dre Kirkpatrick has really not been not been effective, you know, to the point where, um, you know, people are kind of starting to hope. There are people that cover the Bengals or have been talking about you might start losing playing time. Um, and, and Dre Kirkpatrick being, you know, not like a, um, <clears throat> not like a quickness cornerback, kind of like a, a taller, longer cornerback. He's going to have problems with Calvin Ridley's game because Calvin Ridley is like super, super quick. Kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Chad Johnson, um, you know, Ocho Cinco. Uh, I think that this is a really good matchup for Calvin Ridley. He has been running most of his routes at left cornerbacks. He's going to see a ton of Drake Kirkpatrick in this game. Um, Austin Hooper this is a touchdown or bust guy. Uh, he has. Uh, gone over 50 yards in just one of his last 20 games. That game, of course, was uh, in week two. Uh, same deal with Mohamed Sanu. He is still playing ahead of Calvin Ridley uh, in two receiver sets, um, although I think that that may change soon. Uh, and uh, Mohamed Sanu has finished below 40 yards in five of his last six games. Another touchdown or bust guy. One thing that was noticeable last week in and it is notable uh, is that in the second half of last week's game, Calvin Ridley was so dominating the saints that the saints pulled Marshawn Lattimore off of Julio Jones and put him on to Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, that's, that's your, your cue, your, your, your clue 
to know that Calvin Ridley is the real deal here. 13 targets over the last two games, 210 yards and four touchdowns. Keep them rolling. On Cincinnati's side, you know, I think that a lot of Andy Dalton's upside comes down to A.J. Green's availability. A.J. Green left with a groin injury on the first drive in the second half last week. They, they announced him as probable to return. He did not return. He said after the game that he's going to be good to go. Uh, from what I've seen, I think that Dr. Chow sounds optimistic about A.J. Green playing this week. Um, but that's something that we're going to have to track throughout the week. Tyler Boyd is a good fantasy play either way, especially against this team that um, they might have to pull Brian Poole out of the slot and move him to safety. Um, and so then that would um, that would like uh, you know weaken their their slot coverage. And Tyler Boyd has been a slot receiver either way. Tyler Boyd is a starter, but if a, a fantasy starter, especially in this potential shootout, but it, it, you know especially if AJ Green is out. That would really elevate Tyler Boyd. I think that Tyler Boyd is a wide receiver three um, regardless, but uh, he would be a wide receiver two if no A.J. Green. The, um, the, line, the losses at safety and linebacker really, I think, for the Falcons set up well for Tyler Eifert. And Tyler Eifert yeah. has been getting better every game. Um, he's been playing more every game. Uh, he has been. He made a bunch of great catches in traffic last week. Uh, I'm like starting to get excited about Tyler Eifert, um, you know, and, and that's kind of like a risky feeling. Uh, but I think that he looks really, really good out there, and I think that he is uh, an easy top twelve option in this game. Um, John Ross has been a decoy at best so far. I mean, you know, th- this is you know. He, uh, two of the the passes that Andy Dalton threw to in, in, in uh, John Ross's direction last week were were intercepted. Um, you know he he has not been a, a plus for this offense so far. I wonder if he starts losing snaps to Josh Malone. I'd probably give John Ross one more week, uh, but he's someone that I would start to consider dropping in season long leagues. Uh, we do not know about Joe Mixon yet. Doctor Chow has seemed optimistic on him that he might only end up missing one game. Uh, We will find out about that at the end of the week. Selfishly, I kind of hope that they don't bring him back this week because Giovanni Bernard should just be able to eat big time against this Falcons defense uh, if there is no Joe Mixon. And uh, the the, the Falcons, you know, we we talk about how how vulnerable they are to running back receptions. This is going to be the fourth straight year they give up the most receptions to opposing running backs in it was Christian McCaffrey with 14 catches against him in week two. And last week it was Alvin Kamara with 15 catches against him, which is just absurd. Giovanni Bernard could get 10 plus catches in this game. He would be a PPR monster. We can move on to the next one. Next game. It's the bucks at the bears, the bucks, uh, dirt cutter still doing like the uh, Jedi mind trick which is hilarious since we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick will start, but uh, whatever, whatever helps him sleep at night, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm expecting as well. Uh, in terms of the um, Bucks production in this game, I mean, I think that this will be their toughest test so far. Uh, playing at home against Philadelphia was definitely not 
you know, a, a rollover opponent, but now going on a short week to Soldier Field to face the Bears, who lead the NFL in sacks, rank fourth in quarterback hits. And I went over uh, and looked at the Bears' last eight home games because, um, you know, sometimes I, I say that uh, you know, the, the Soldier Field is a tough place to play, and people kind of just roll their eyes. Ah, oh, the Bears, you know, they stink. Which, look, I mean, the Bears have stunk for a long time. But Soldier Field still is the place where they would, like, get, get their win. You know, they beat the Steelers at Soldier Field uh, last year. Uh, they should have beat the Falcons, but Jordan Howard uh, dropped a pass uh, at the um, at, at the one-yard line to end that. Uh, but uh, th- they have allowed... 15.6 points per game over their last eight home games. Um, and, you know, seven of those were played without Khalil Mack. Now they have Khalil Mack. They held uh, Ryan, uh, they held Russell Wilson to the quarterback 17 score in week two. This will be their second home game. I think that, you know, you, you keep rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, but I think that at some point, you know, it, it, this is going to probably slow down. Um, or they're going to go back to Jameis. You know, this is a huge game for Ryan Fitzpatrick because they they just lost a game. He threw three picks. You know, they were not all his fault by any means. Um, but he's going to have to play well here, I think, going into their bye for them not to really reevaluate that and go back to Jameis. Uh, Jameis looked awesome in the preseason. He finished last season really well. Um, so this is going to be up to Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think. Uh, but I, I would continue rolling him as a, a fantasy starter. Um, I would not be ro- uh, you know, considering it locked in by any means that he's going to come out of the Bucks week five by as still being the Bucks starter. It's just going to come down to performance. One thing that has kind of helped the, you know, kind of juice the, the Bucks passing game is that they have no running game at all. Um, Peyton Barber has been, pretty ineffective he did have uh, one nice run on uh monday night but that's not going to get it done i mean and the the bears have been just lights out in run defense holding opposing running backs 2.9 yards per carry zero rushing touchdowns and the seventh fewest receiving yards in the nfl um the, the bucks need to start thinking about giving ronald jones playing time you know just anything to to inject some life into this rushing attack uh, which has been just abysmal, uh, but has also helped the passing game because you know the Bucks know that they can't run it, uh, so they're just going to keep throwing it, and that's something that that also you know even in, in a tough spot for Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can help hang your hat on that. Um, you know, Mike Evans has been a monster. Uh, the Bears have have given up enough outside receiver production uh, that we can consider this a fine matchup. For Mike Evans, Christian Kirk had seven for 90 against them last week. He's playing 60% of his snaps on the outside for the Cardinals. Um, Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison uh, had pretty big games against the Bears in week one. Both got into the end zone. Uh, both went over 60 yards. Uh, and Mike Evans has been an absolute monster. Something that we talked about in the offseason was that you know, he was not going to lose production uh, just because they were going to be without uh, Jameis Winston. He had been productive with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, and he has been productive six straight games now with Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
um, being like a wide receiver two or wide receiver one in all of those games. And he's been a wide receiver one in all of the games so far this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Chris Godwin only playing 57% of the Bucks' offensive snaps, but he leads the NFL, or he's tied with Michael Thomas for the NFL lead, in targets inside the 10. So this is who Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking for in the uh, in scoring position. Um, it does make Chris Godwin kind of touchdown dependent, and you know at some point he's going to have a floor week where he doesn't score and he catches like you know three for 37. And he's going to hurt you. You have to kind of know that that's coming. Um, but you know again we have to we also know that this this uh, Bucks offense is very dependent upon the pass um, and that he has legit touchdown upside. I mean, he's just, he's going to be a high variance guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he scores two touchdowns this week. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, you know, two for two for 19, uh, without any scores. Um, Deshaun Jackson, kind of a similar situation, just being used a lot differently has zero red zone targets, uh, but has, but, and only has five, four and five targets over the last three weeks has caught 12 of his 14 targets. He's going to be dependent upon splash plays. The bears have given up the 10th uh, most uh, receptions of 20 plus yards this year. So they are not shutting down the big play so far, despite their excellent pass rush. Uh, but you, you know what you're getting into with Deshaun Jackson. He's, he's going to be a volatile guy every single week at tight end bears have given up almost nothing uh, to opposing tight ends so far, and they were really good against tight ends uh, all last year. Uh, but O.J. Howard is third among all tight ends in receiving yards um, with 222. I think that, that that alone makes him a fantasy starter. He's not getting a ton of targets. He's not getting a ton of air yards. He has zero red zone targets. Um, but that you know monster big play ability, when they just get it to him on a short catch, he can, he can like take it to the house. He has rare, rare, rare athleticism for a tight end. Um, and uh, I, I, th- I think you, you keep rolling with him. Uh, there, there are concerns, though, in, in terms of the volume. Only has uh, the 14 targets through three games, so he's averaging fewer than five targets per game. Uh, Cameron Brait reappeared goose egg the first two games. Reappeared last week for a red zone score. I don't think that that's something that you can bank on. Um Let's move on to the Bears side. So the Bucks. well, first of all, Mitchell Trubisky has been awful. I mean, he's, he's like a poor man's Blake Bortles. The decision-making has been abysmal. I, you know, so many head-scratching throws. Like, what was he thinking, you know? Um, and he really has gotten away with a lot of should-be interceptions uh, so far. Um, his accuracy is just... Highly inconsistent, I, I think, would be a, a kind way to describe it. And look, I'm not writing him off or anything like that, um, but there are absolutely concerns when you watch him play. Um, he is now facing probably the worst pass defense in the NFL. Uh, the Bucks just lost Chris Conti as well. They're, they're starting strong safety. Um, not a particularly good player, but you know the, there, he was in the starting lineup for a reason. His backup probably is not as good. Uh, the Bucks have given up the fourth most points per game and yards per play. 
Uh, they've also been forcing opponents to throw the ball more. Um, they have faced the third most pass attempts in the NFL. Uh, but Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, just based on performance, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't even really look to stream him this week. Uh, I just need to see him play better. At running back, Jordan Howard. Uh, so going into last week's game, Matt Nagy promised that Jordan Howard was going to get more work. That did happen. It's, it's nice to see a coach follow through on a promise like that, and it, it, it happened. 26 touches for Jordan Howard, 24 carries, didn't really go anywhere. So it makes you wonder, you know, will Matt Nagy turn away from that this week? Um, but I don't, I'm not sure that Matt Nagy really has a, a choice because his passing game is, is not, um, you know, not where it needs to be uh, for them to be doing different things. Uh, the Buccaneers have played pretty solid run defense, uh, under four yards per carry to opposing running backs, but they have given up three rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs in the first three games. Uh, and the Bucks have given up the 10th most catches and fifth most receiving yards to running backs. Jordan Howard, uh, known for bad hands, has caught 10 of his 11 targets. Uh, so I think that uh, he is a solid RB2 at worst. Uh, Tarek Cohen ha- broke a 21-yard run uh, last week. I thought he was going to get into the end zone. He was tackled right at the one-yard line. Um, but he has not been getting the ball uh, enough. Eight touches, four touches, eight touches through three games. Um, weak, weak, weak flex option, even against this Bucks defense that has been giving up a lot of receiving production. Two opposing RBs. The one... Uh, member of the passing game core for the Bears that I would be optimistic about or most optimistic about would be Allen Robinson. Uh, I, you know, he they continue to really force feed him 28 targets through three games, over nine per game. Uh, if you look at the receivers that have really hurt the Bucks, and you know, there have been a lot of them, uh, but they have been primarily guys. Uh, that have played inside. Uh, Michael Thomas played over 50% of his snaps inside against the Buccaneers in week one. Juju Smith-Schuster is running 88% of his snaps in the slot. Wrecked him uh, on Monday night. Nelson Aguilar had a big week two against Tampa Bay. Eight for 88 and a touchdown. He, of course, uh, over 50% slot. Um, Allen Robinson has been 32% slot so far for the Bears, but I think that he might get more uh, with Anthony Miller, the Bears' primary slot receiver, out with a a shoulder subluxation, uh, like a a dislocated shoulder. Um, Allen Robinson leads the Bears in red zone targets and targets inside the 10. I think he's a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside in one of the best possible matchups. Brent Grimes came back last week. You know, who knows if Brent Grimes can still play? I mean, he got dusted. Uh, he is 35 years old. He has struggled with a groin injury. You know, nothing to be afraid about until he proves it. Uh, Taylor Gabriel has seen more targets than I expected, 22 through three games, over seven a game. But they are not giving him big play chances down the field. Um, and, he, you know, he's, he's just not really being used like that has yet to reach 40 yards in a game, has yet to score. Um, he could rip a big play. That's you know something that is definitely in the toolbox of Taylor Gabriel. Uh, but 
not really someone that I'm looking to rely on outside of uh, particularly deep leagues. Uh, Trey Burton has four catches in back-to-back games, so we're starting to see a little bit of progress uh, in, in the rapport between uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Trey Burton. It's still just watching the games, you know, it just still feels like he's every time he's looking for Allen Robinson. Uh, he's really a one-read or, or he's running kind of player right now. Um, but, you know, Trey Burton has been getting a, a little bit more work and uh, the the uh, the Buccaneers have been just slaughtered by tight ends. Uh, ben Watson went four for 44 against them. Vance McDonald had that monster game on Monday night against them. Zach Ertz, 11 for 94. Josh Perkins, the Eagles' third string tight end, four for 57. I think that Trey Burton is just on that tight end one fringe he's you know in terms of routes run he's top five in the nfl in routes run among tight ends um it's just we, we need to see trubisky start looking for him a little bit more and we can move on to the next one the next one we've got the dallas cowboys and their offense hosting the detroit lions which actually got the run game going and i love their rookie left guard frank ragnow that was awesome Yes, and I love the rookie, on Johnson, um, who, of course, as I mentioned previously, snapped that string of, I don't what was it, some crazy amount of It was like Reggie had- Bush, like in 2013 or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like the year that we started the feast. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think that they need a role with Carrion. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that messing around with LeGarrette Blunt is just bad decision-making. You know, and I, I, he wasn't terrible, I guess, on, um, on, on Sunday night um, against the Patriots. But Kerryon Johnson just brings so much more versatility and mul- multiplicity to their offense. Uh, he's really good in the passing game. 18 touches uh, for 110 yards against the Patriots. Uh, the Cowboys are without Sean Lee due to a hamstring injury, probably multiple weeks without him. He is one of the biggest difference makers uh, in the NFL among uh, defensive players. I went back and looked at their splits with and without him. Last season, he missed five games. Cowboys averaged 1.3, or they allowed 1.3 more yards per carry uh, when Sean Lee was out of the game. It was like, Three, they allowed three and a half yards per carry when he was in, but almost 4.9 yards per carry when he was out. Um, they haven't been great against the run so far either. They've given up the six most catches to opposing running backs. Um, you know, so I carry on Johnson. I own him in, in a couple of leagues. I'm penciling him in as an RB2 this week. I realize that there is some risk. Uh, you know, attached to him because maybe they'll go away from him. It just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's a pretty good matchup. Uh, so I'm, I'm rolling with him uh, for now uh, as an RB2. Theo Riddick's touches week by week, 9-9-3. Nine, nine, LeGarrette Blunt's touches 4-9-18. and 18. Um, You know, not a whole lot of uh, bankable trend there. Uh, I think that Kerryon Johnson really the only, only Lions running back I'd be looking to play. Matthew Stafford, top 14 fantasy quarterback in back-to-back weeks. He was the quarterback nine in week two against the 49ers. Uh, 
uh, quarterback 14 last week against the Patriots. Haven't seen a monster game out of him yet, uh, but he's been a, a solid floor play, and I think that uh, we, we can stick with him against the Cowboys. Um, in, you know, in the dome, the Cowboys actually have given up more points per game uh, since they uh, erected uh, Jerry World at home than they have on the road. Uh, they do not have like a big time home field advantage in terms of uh, points allowed, at least. Uh, Matthew Stafford, an okay, not great fantasy starter. That I think that the Cowboys' pass defense is really underrated. Um, they will be getting back David Irving, I believe, uh, next week. He should be back. His suspension is up, um, but they, you know, they can continue to get better. Uh, but Sean Lee also is a difference maker against the pass. Uh, they average. Last year, they averaged two more yards per attempt allowed to opposing quarterbacks uh, when Sean Lee was off the field. Um, all these Heinz receivers are, are all systems go. I mean, this is really, really a nice uh, wide receiver core, and they do not have to contend for targets with a tight end, which is also very helpful. Um, Luke Wilson is the the tight end target leader on the Lions. He has five targets in three games. Uh, So that really locks in these guys as as bankable assets each and every week. Um, Golden Tate playing in the slot. Tyler Lockett ripped up the Cowboys in the slot last week, four for 77 and a touchdown. Golden Tate has 36 targets through three games, averaging 12 a game. That's awesome. Kenny Galladay, eighth in the NFL in air yards, 12th in receiving yards. Um, the the Cowboys have good outside cornerbacks with size. Shadobi uh, Awuzie and Byron Jones, these guys are playing at a very, very high level. Uh, they have shut down Brandon Marshall. They shut down Odell Beckham. Uh, they shut down Devin Funchess. Uh, and they've given up a league low three completions of 20-plus yards. So this is going to be the toughest matchup that Kenny Galladay has faced thus far. Um, just keep that in mind, but I'm not, I'm not turning away from these guys uh, playing at a very, very high level, getting bankable usage week in and week out. Um, Marvin Jones, same deal. You know, I, he, may not, he may not have the upside of Kenny Galladay, uh, and he's not going to be getting the volume that Golden Tate it has been, uh, but he uh, is, is an every week wide receiver too. Ezekiel Elliott finally got it rolling last week. It's just the the state he hasn't gotten in the end zone uh, since what week one, and um, their usage of him in the passing game has been highly highly ineffective. And I mean he hasn't helped matters. He's dropped passes. He's you know, stepped out of bounds on, on should-be catches. Um, but, he, you know, he's averaging like three yards per reception. Um, they have got to figure out a way to use him more productively and efficiently in the passing game because their passing game is maybe the worst in the league. You know, Dak Prescott has taken steps back. Their offensive line can't protect like it used to. Uh, and this Lions defense is, is uh, it seems like it, it's getting better every single week. Um, they, they've had back-to-back solid defensive efforts. You know, there is not a single player in the Dallas passing game that, that you can use in fantasy. 
Um, it's just Ezekiel Elliott or bust. We can move on to the next one. Next game, you've got the Buffalo Bills at the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so Buffalo, of course, coming off maybe the biggest upset that we will see for the entire season um, as 17-point road favorites at Minnesota. Josh Allen did some special things last weekend, and we've seen him you know, flash that ability um, in the preseason and at Wyoming. Um, he definitely has you know, highlight real tools, and um, they, they made things very simple for him last week. There were a lot of screens, you know, a lot, a lot of bubbles, um, but he also did some great things on his own, especially when, when, he, uh, when, when they would get pressure on him. Uh, he would roll out and make throws on the run, and you know the the Bills didn't catch the Bills receivers didn't catch them all. The Bills have really bad receivers, but that ability to turn negative plays into positive or potential positive ones uh, is is a, a really special trait for Josh Allen. Another thing that you like you got to like about him for fantasy, and he's he's really a two quarterback league starter. He's not not yet quite a streamer, although this is a pretty good matchup for him, uh, is that he has been running a ton in scoring position. He converted two touchdowns last week, but he leads all quarterbacks in uh, scrambles inside the 10 and inside uh, the 5. I'm sorry, in red zone scrambles and in scrambles inside the 10. Uh, It's by a pretty significant margin. He's a really, really good athlete. So, um, I think that he is a two-quarterback league starter. Now, at the same time, we should still be trying to stream defenses against them because he has taken 11 sacks in 81 dropbacks. Even last week, he was still taking sacks. Um, that that sack percentage, 13.6%, uh, to put that in perspective, last year the Colts had the highest or allowed the highest sack percentage with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback at 10.3%. So Josh Allen's sack percentage, uh, sacks divided by his dropbacks, 13.6% is just massive. Um, and look, the Packers are not you know particularly healthy, uh, but I think that they can have a big defensive game here. You know, um, the, the, the Bills' offensive line is still really, really bad. So th- this is a defense that I would pick up off the waiver wire, and the Packers are going to be not owned in a lot of leagues uh, and stream them against Josh Allen. Don't know about LaShawn McCoy yet. He's got the rib cartilage issue. Would like to use him against Green Bay. I mean, the Packers have given up almost five yards per carry to opposing running backs. Lost uh, Muhammad Wilkerson for the season last week, or at least lost him to IR. Uh, So it would be a good matchup for LaShawn McCoy and Josh Allen's good game last week does give us some hope that we might be able to salvage something out of LaShawn McCoy in fantasy. No Bills pass catcher has gone over five targets in either of Josh Allen's starts. Kelvin Benjamin has a a, a big name and a small game, uh, and we are not trying to start him against Green Bay. The best matchup goes to Charles Clay. Um, 
the Vikings tight ends in week two at nine for 91 against the Packers. Redskins tight ends had six for 135 against the Packers. I mean, Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed just ate up the Packers last week. Uh, so that bodes well theoretically for Charles Clay. The problem is he's only running 20 routes per game. He ran 26 routes per game last year, uh, and he has seen six targets in two Josh Allen starts. Uh, only one Bills pass catcher, Zay Jones, in week two has topped 30 yards in either of Josh Allen's starts. So not really trying to get too cute here. Green Bay, this was, you know, this was something that probably should have expected, and it was definitely influenced some by the fact that the Packers played from behind last week against the Redskins. But Ty Montgomery had the most touches in the backfield with 10. Jamal Williams played the most snaps at 43%. Aaron Jones was the most productive, uh, but he only played 25% of the snaps, and he handled seven touches. So this is a three-way running back by committee. In very, very few instances uh, are you going to ever be able to sort out fantasy value from a three-way running back committee. Mike McCarthy said that he wants to stick with this approach. Um, you know, I we're going to monitor the situation every week. Things can change quickly in the NFL. Guys can get hurt. You know, narrow it to a two-man backfield. One guy outplays the other guy. You know, two weeks down the, the line, guy is, you know, a, an RB2. Uh, but right now, these guys are just all bench stashes. Aaron Rodgers enters week three with a left knee injury, leaves it with a strained right hamstring. Um, he's just going to be in the shotgun all game long. Uh, two of the three quarterbacks to have faced the Bills so far have been top 12 scorers on the week. Um, uh, the Bills have given up a 74.2% completion rate and a 7-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. They've allowed the ninth most points per game. So, look, there are concerns here with, with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, uh, but the matchup really isn't one of them, and we're, we're starting him in fantasy leagues. In the receiver core, Devontae Adams is a touchdown in seven straight games. Um, only Juju Smith-Schuster and Michael Thomas have more red zone targets than Devontae Adams. Uh, the, the Bills' cornerback core is still just in complete disarray you know, due to injuries, in-game retirements. Devontae Adams, every week wide receiver one. Randall Cobb was, like, really helped cost the Packers the game last week. Was just awful. Had a drop on a critical third down. Uh, had another drop on a critical fourth down. Um, uh, lost what, like, pretty much was the game-ending fumble. Um, he did have 11 targets. And uh, slot receivers have just been pounding the Bills. It was Adam Thielen last week. Willie Sneed had a big game against him. Keenan Allen had six for 67. was pretty decent. Um, the Bills slot corner is Teron Johnson, fourth-round rookie from Weber State. Uh, Randall Cobb has run the most slot routes in the entire league. Uh, so, you know, I think that Randall Cobb, what he showed us in week one, wasn't necessarily a predictor of, of things to come. He had that monster game against the Bears. 
Uh, ever since then, he's really cooled off and did not play well at all last week. I think he's just like a fringe wide receiver three play. The matchup is pretty good, though. Geronimo Allison, his targets week to week, eight, six, and four. But he is playing 75% of the Packers' offensive snaps. He gets to play with Aaron Rodgers. He has the second most air yards on the team. Just a volatile wide receiver three slash flex. Um, I do think that this is a pretty good matchup for him. Bills have allowed the fifth most catches and eighth most yards to tight ends. Uh, last week they gave up five for 48 and a touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. Um, so I think, you know, it's a good matchup for Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham is seventh among tight ends and targets, fifth in air yards, finally got a red zone target last week. I think we're going to start to see him get into the end zone. We can move on to the next one. All right. We got Houston 0 three, very disappointing in that regard against the Colts at one and two, who, are very much a dink and dunk operation. I would say this, though. They had two decent chunk yardage plays against the Eagles that were T.Y. Hilton pass interference penalties on underthrown balls, which would even give more credence to the Andrew Luck, you know, arm issue discussion. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you can go and look at um, all of Andrew Luck's deep passes and I would say that the way to describe it would be inconsistent in turn like he's throwing a lot of lobs and floaters you know um, I think he can still be a, a productive you know functional NFL quarterback uh, but jumping on him after facing one of the best defenses in the league you know I, I, don't, I don't know about that now and they did pull him for the Hail Mary for Jacoby Brissett I mean Clearly, like, you know, they're, they're, he, I, I don't think that he has regained his full velocity. You know, that, that I think is pretty clear from having watched him uh, beginning in the preseason uh, through now. And, you know, the coaching staff's actions suggest that. They're, of course, they're not going to say it publicly. I mean, they're, they're definitely not going to say that publicly. But, you know, also the way that they have conducted their offense. You know, he, he's, not throwing, he's not throwing the ball downfield, you know, with, with – with, Except for with very with a few rare exceptions, each week, um, he's thirty first in the NFL in yards per pass attempt. He's thirty first among thirty one qualified quarterbacks in percentage of passes attempted downfield. Has only attempted five point six percent of his passes twenty or more yards downfield. Now, you know another factor that contributes to this is the fact that the Colts are worried about their pass protection, and they need to get the ball out of Andrew Luck's hands quickly. They're not trying to get him hit on every snap. They are down to their third right tackle now. Uh, they lost to Marcus Webb, the week one starting right tackle, due injured reserve, due to a hamstring injury. They lost Joe Haig last week. Uh, Carson Wentz, his old left tackle at uh, North Dakota State, um, he, but he's been playing right tackle for the Colts. He suffered a high ankle sprain. He's out probably multiple weeks. Anthony Costanzo has yet to play at left tackle. Uh, they're going to continue to play this way. And guess what? That third string right tackle, I believe it's going to be Denzel Good. He's going up against J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt you know, last two weeks has looked like prime J.J. Watt. Uh, and that's not. And they're going to need to continue to play in this manner. Uh, Andrew Luck I think is a top 16 quarterback option 
but not a top 12 guy. Um, hasn't been running a whole lot. He did have a long run last week, but before that, only had nine rushing yards in two games. So without, you know, w- without like stretching the field with protection concerns, without uh, running a whole lot, you know, Andrew Luxus is not going to be the same fantasy quarterback uh, that he used to be. Maybe there's very possible we arrive we arrive back at that point at some point this season, um, but he's not there right now. Uh, Colts backfield is probably going to get Marlon Mack back this week. They cut Kristen Michael uh, just in a void situation. You know, three man backfield, no Colts running back has even reached 65 yards from scrimmage in a game yet. Uh, Love T.Y. Hilton uh, indoors historically. As you mentioned, they they did throw throw him a couple targets deep last week. He drew uh, two uh, pass interference flags. Um, So I I like to see that. These these, uh, Texans cornerbacks, I think, are very, very beatable. Kareem Jackson and Jonathan Joseph on the outside. T.Y. Hilton, to me, still an every-week wide receiver, too. Maybe not the wide receiver one yet that he has been for most of his time with Andrew Luck, um, but I'm still considering him a wide receiver, too. don't know about Jack Doyle. Uh, we will find out about him later in the week. He, of course, missed last week. Eric Ebron's routes did spike, uh, but he, of course, Eric Ebron, and had 33 scoreless yards on five targets. Um you know, we're going to have to go back to Eric Ebron if Jack Doyle is out again. Uh, just the opportunity is just overwhelming. I mean, you know, it's a lot. Andrew Luck's throwing a ton. I mean, he's sixth in the NFL in pass attempts. Um, and Eric Ebron runs those shorter routes. So uh, Eric Ebron will be a fantasy starter if Jack Doyle is not back. Uh, Ryan Grant, you know, low upside possession receiver, did score a touchdown last week that was his first red zone target of the year five-yard touchdown on a fade um he's an okay play you know like wide receiver four uh on houston's side deshaun watson continues to just get lit up i was optimistic that uh the the texans against the giants who came into the uh, week three with one sack and six quarterback hits through two weeks uh, I was optimistic that the Texans would be able to protect uh, Deshaun Watson at home. You know, that was their home opener. Did not happen. Uh, he still took three sacks and 11 hits. And, you know, that's a problem. Like, their offense is not functional. Like, there's no sustaining, you know, element to their offense. They're not. Their offense is, is just, you know, random plays pretty much you know, that, that, that need to spike their offense. So many freaking penalties on the offensive line. The offensive line is just so bad. Um, they're not using Deshaun Watson on read option. Colts have been so shockingly good <laughs> on defense. Fourth in the NFL in sacks. They have 10 sacks so far. This is another road game for the Texans. Um, Sean Watson has taken a league high 34 quarterbacks hits. I'm, I'm, you know, riding with him as a, an every week fantasy starter. Uh, but I, you know, I think he's going to continue to get hit and, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, it's, it's really, really bad up front in Houston. Um, 
The Colts have been super up and down in run defense. They got smashed by the Bengals in week one. Uh, week two, they totally eliminated Adrian Peterson. Um, and then in week three, they got smashed again uh, by the Eagles. Wendell Smallwood just ran rampant against the uh, against the Colts. Wendell Smallwood, I never really thought very much of him, but he looked really good against the Colts last week. Colts uh, have also given up the third most receiving yards to opposing running backs. All this sets up pretty well for Lamar Miller, who has 21, 17, and 15 touches through three games. He was awful last year or last week on the ground, 10 carries for 10 yards, uh, but he is not yet in danger of losing touches to Alfred Blue. Uh, Texans placed Bruce Ellington on injured reserve due to a hamstring injury. Dude has always battled hamstring injuries, just chronic for him. Uh, that might help Ryan Griffin, uh, who I kind of like as a streamer tight end this week. Colts zone coverage just getting slaughtered by tight ends. Uh, Andy Dalton went a perfect uh, five for five for 57 yards starting tight, tight ends against the Colts in week one. Alex Smith went seven for nine for 62 thrown to the Redskins tight ends in week two. In week three, Dallas Goddard, uh, Zach Ertz. Both had pretty game, pretty big games, Dallas Goddard in particular, against the Colts. Uh, so Ryan Griffin playing a lot of snaps, running a lot of routes, number four, 14 among tight ends in the NFL in routes run. Does have some uh, streamer, matchup-based streamer appeal in week four. Uh, what the Colts have been good at is limiting big plays. Uh, fifth fewest completions allowed of 20-plus yards and zero 40-plus yard completions allowed uh, that is theoretically a concern for will fuller however will fuller has not just been a one-trick pony deep threat this year he's got 20 targets in two games uh, and seven of his 20 targets have come on passes within nine yards of the line of scrimmage uh, and he has caught six of those so we're not going away from Will Fuller. Uh, I mean, dude is just, he's a baller and uh, has some kind of chemistry with Deshaun Watson. Uh, but th- this could play to the, the favor of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who can really work that sideline um, on the short to intermediate stuff. And I think that that's going to be something that the Colts really have a problem uh, trying to solve because – uh, on the outside, they're starting Pierre Desir, a journeyman on like his eighth NFL team. Um, and then Nate Hairston, who played slot corner for them last year and has just been getting torn up. Uh, we can move on to the next one. The last one o'clock game here in episode number one. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off that offensive performance, hosting the New York Jets. Yeah, I think we're, we should expect Leonard Fournette back this week, I believe. Uh, the Jets uh, apparently have been considering firing Todd Bowles. Um, the Jets have been decent in run defense, but last week they really weren't. I mean, Carlos Hyde had a pretty big game, 4.2 yards per carry to uh, the Browns running backs. I think that Leonard Fournette, 
I think that the Jaguars just thought they could win last week's game, and that's why they didn't bring back Leonard Fournette. I mean, he practiced on a, on a limited basis all week. Uh, they were just totally shut down in the running game with Corey Grant and TJ Yeldon. And as someone who used a lot of uh, Corey Grant last week, that was <laughs> that, that did not go well. Um, but I think that Leonard Fournette comes back for a full workload. Uh, when he came back, his first game back last year uh, from, from injuries, he had 19 and 21 touches. I think that we should even expect more this week. He got that extra week of rest. Uh, Blake Bortles just, you know, up and down. Uh, like, like to have him in a best ball league where you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, should I start him this week? You know, you just take his monster games like he had against the Patriots and, you know, that those go into your lineup. Do not like trying to figure out when he's actually going to have good weeks. Um, you know, this is not like a particularly uh, scary fantasy matchup at all, but um, Blake Bortles is, is dicey. Uh, the, the Jets' biggest weakness in the secondary is against slot receivers. Uh, Buster Screen uh, was, was getting just pummeled in weeks one and two. Uh, he did not play last week due to injury. They put in Daryl Roberts. You know, that didn't help. Jarvis Landry had eight for 103 previous slot uh, receivers. The Dolphins guys, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, seven for 69, a touchdown. Golden Tate, seven for 79, and a touchdown. This all bodes well for D.D. Westbrook uh, as a sleeper in week four. Keelan Cole, uh, second on the team in slot routes. So he's going to get work in the slot as well. Leads the team in... Um, targets 21, so averaging seven a game. He's going to be up and down. You know, that, the, that's the fact of the matter. He, play, he plays in a run-first offense with Blake Bortles at quarterback. He's going to have ups and downs, uh, but this is a, an above-average matchup for him. Uh, his volume has been pretty strong. Dante Moncrief, 14-34 and 16 yards through three games, has been getting a lot of opportunity just doing nothing with it. That's the, the, the story of Dante Moncrief's career. Austin Safarian Jenkins has gone over 50 yards once in his last 56 games. So he's going to need a touchdown to do anything. Um, you know, I think that Sam Darnold struggles here again. Expected him to struggle, fully expected him to struggle at Cleveland on that short week against that super underrated defense. Now he's going to face on the road an even better defense. You know, I... T- like Todd Bowles going to end up getting fired probably, or maybe uh, after just two really difficult spots for his uh, offense. I mean, you know, I think that Sam Darnold struggles again. Um, Quincy Anunua, we, we could keep rolling with him. The, the Jaguars, if there is one spot to attack them, it is in the slot where they have been using DJ Hayden, but DJ Hayden was out last week. Um, but either way, you know their 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 slot coverage is very much attackable. I'm I'm sticking with Quincy Anunua. Uh at running back, Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell. It's still an even split. Uh, Bilal Powell had 54 percent of the snaps to Crowell's 46 percent uh, last Thursday night, uh, but Crowell had 18 touches to 14 for Bilal Powell. Isaiah Crowell really didn't do anything. But he did score two touchdowns, and I saw that in our fantasy uh, feast Eden Eaton league, you had him against me, uh, and you beat me. 
to maintain your spot in first place. I had been in second. Um, and now, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, guess what? That was, I did that Thursday. I think I had yeah. Kelvin Benjamin at wide receiver and I got rid of Benjamin. I put whoever I had in the, uh, in the flex, I put them at receiver and I put Crowell in at flex. And uh-huh. even though on the even money podcast, I had the Jets getting the three points and it went, I, w- I went crazy and that sucked. Crowell scoring two touchdowns so I could defeat you was, Highlight of my life so far, probably. My, 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 mar- marrying my wife, my two daughters, and that, probably the highlight. Cause, and let's be honest, I got crazy lucky with Crowell scoring two touchdowns, but hey, that's why you play the games. That's why you play the games, yeah. And I mean, you know, of course, he didn't even do anything really besides that. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, this is, it's not a good matchup. He wiped his running. butt with the ball. He wiped his butt with the ball. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's not a good matchup for either of these guys. I think they're just like on the flex play fringe. What you would really need probably for, for Isaiah Crowell is to do like exactly what he did last week. You know, just fall into the end zone a couple of times because, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be doing a whole lot of work between the 20s. Um, it's, uh, Robbie Anderson has reached the point of droppable. I mean... And that stinks because he was a guy that I love to get, you know, in the eighth, ninth, tenth round coming in. Um, he might pick it up at some point. I mean, they are going to get better matchups down the road, uh, but he's certainly not usable uh, this week. Uh, and, you know, he I mean, he has 10 targets in three games like that. That isn't going to get it done. Terrell Pryor has been getting more opportunity. So but that that takes care of that game. Evan, that was amazing. As always, I have no idea how your brain is able to function at that high of a level, especially considering how much you drink, but that's a story for another day. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, not really, not really. I'm also not kidding when it comes to the new opportunity you guys have with Robinhood. Robinhood's a new investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. So now that you guys, you're getting a little more mature, you got a little more money in your pockets, you should be able to invest and you should be able to make financial services work for you, not just the really wealthy people. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence, simple and intuitive, clear design. Here's what I think is really cool about it on the app, right? First of all, it's it's really easy to use, right? And it's one of those things like, well, I don't know how to do it. It's like when you get a new phone for the first time. You just you just do it. Like you just scroll through the app and you realize, okay, yeah, I get it. I get this. Okay, this is how I sell this, how I buy this. Okay, this is easy. And the no commission's big. I mean, think for those of you that have obviously previously invested or even if you haven't, the no commission things are real the real deal. And Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help start build your portfolio. They're giving you a free stock to help build your portfolio. Sign up at fantasyfeast.robinhood.com. Again, that's fantasyfeast.robinhood.com. Cool new opportunity for you guys. I'm excited 
we're able to let you know about that app. And I'm excited to record episode two with the GOAT, Evan Silva, and we will post it shortly after midnight so that we don't mess with your podcast apps. Other than that, stuffed. That was huge. You know it. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.